Today's message is entitled, Unleash Good. I've been saying this phrase throughout this series, but today it's the entire message that we as a people of God will unleash good on the earth. Remember, we're living in Romans chapter 12. The very last verse in Romans chapter 12 is verse 21. It says, do not be overcome by evil, crush, instead overcome evil with good. Almost as Pastor Kim was saying, we have the opportunity to defeat the enemies in front of us repeatedly. And this is what I have in my mind and my heart when I'm studying for this series. I see you walking into a situation that's evil and having this notion, somebody ought to open up a can of good in this place, right? Somebody ought to unleash good right here and then coming to the recognition that that somebody is a you body. You have the ability given by God himself to unleash good in every evil situation, and you will always win. Well, God will always win. God unleashed through you. To help you remember this idea, uh, you're going to hear this phrase today that comes from an old advertising campaign. You may remember it. There's an app for that. You remember this phrase? There's an app for that? There's an app for that. It came out in 2009 when the world was really introduced to apps. I know they, they existed before them, but in the general public's eye, in 2009, Apple comes out with the iPhone 3G, which is the equivalent in technology to today as Fred Flintstone's foot-driven Ferrari that he had back then. It's this old antique, right? But that's where apps were launched. They had this whole ad campaign that said, there's an app for that. And... Uh, Here's some stats. Google Play now has 2.65 million apps and games on it. The Apple App Store has 2.2 million apps on it. This is all stats from last year. They categorize these in different genres like uh, navigation, travel, uh, medical, business, games, entertainment, all these different uh, financial, all these different genres. And they measured which genre had the most and which had the least. The number one genre of all apps downloaded is, you guess, Games, exactly right. People love crushing that candy, buddy. Like, I'm just, I'm so mad. At, and talk about mad things. How about those mad birds that you just like fling into the air? They destroy buildings. I'm sure you've never wasted 65 hours a week on that particular thing. And that was the number one thing. And the last thing, the last category with the least amount of downloads? Navigation. Which makes me believe they were only looking at men's phones. <laughs> Lots of games, no maps. I know where I'm going. Don't bother me, right? So like it or not, this ad campaign was very masterful because as you know, camp that's what I said, ad campaigns are meant to help you buy something that solves a problem that you have. So they present something like, oh yeah, I have that problem, and this product solves it, answers the question, right? But this, there's an app for that campaign was even more genius because it made you realize a need you didn't even know you had. I didn't know that I needed that, and I do need that, and lo and behold, there's an app for that. For instance, I didn't know that I needed to stalk my entire family 24-7 a day hours, you know what I'm talking about? And now there's an app for that. And I need it. I, I look at the dots all the time. I'm a high-level stalker of my own family. Am I the only one? 
Come on, preach it, right? When we were in Israel, our dot was way over in Jerusalem. Owen's dot's like north of Boston, and our other children are, uh, uh, what are your names? Audrey and Eli. <laughs> I almost called you Orlando. They were in Orlando, and our dots were all over the world. It was fun stalking, right? I didn't know that I needed an app to check in for my haircut. But now that I have that app, you want to talk about power? I walk into Great Clips, swing wide the door. All these schleps are sitting in chairs with their long hair. And they're like, sir, did you check in on the app? I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> and your name goes right to the top. I saved three minutes with that app. Bam. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. I didn't know that I needed an app to replace all the crossword puzzles that used to sit next to my toilet. Okay, not talking about that one. All right, never mind. But I need it, right? Okay. Well, today's message is very straightforward. Very easy to put all the pieces together. Whatever you're going to face in life, God says there's an app for that. There is something that can be downloaded to you that can handle whatever it is that you are facing. And in this series that we're doing called Antidote, these apps, and it's not really the word apps in the Bible, are each an antidote to the ailments that we experience on the daily. Jesus promised, John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, here's the promise, you will have trouble. Woo! Thanks, Jesus. And then he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The same language as Romans chapter 12. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus is the overcomer. He downloads to us things that we can then overcome the enemy with. All right, today we're going to be raising our hands a lot. All right, so we're just going to practice here so that you feel comfortable raising your hands because we need to have a lot of candor today in the house. And, and when your hand goes up, you're just confessing. So let's just practice. All right, are you ready? Say yes. If you have a hand, raise a hand. Good, way to be honest. So good, so good. All right, uh, if you like tacos, raise your hand. If you think I-4 is abysmal, raise your hand. If you think the person sitting next to you is abysmal, raise your hand. <laughs> if you love the person next to you, raise your hand and put it around them and give them a squeeze. There you go. Nicely done. If you're by yourself, so am I. There you go, okay. So here's the serious ones. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you if you feel a certain way. And whether you feel it now or you felt it just in the last few little bits, whatever the case may be, if it's you, raise your hand. All right, here we go. Do you feel like people don't listen to God anymore? Everybody. <laughs> Do you feel unsure of purpose? And when I say purpose, it may be your purpose, the purpose of the nation, the purpose of the church, the purpose of living on earth. Like anybody feel that way? Okay. Do you feel like truth has been lost in the world? Whoa. Hands went up real fast. Felt like a wave of air. Uh, do you feel like it's all doom and gloom out there? Do you feel like it's all doom and gloom in here? Candor. Thank you. Thank you. Do you feel like when you look out there, there's some people who just don't have what they need? It's poverty out there. Do you feel like, i got two more, as the Lord has warned us, people are wandering for lack of a shepherd in the world? And finally, 
raise both hands if you feel like there's too many wars, too much retribution, too much revenge, too many broken relationships, not enough reconciliation in the world. Raise your hands. Awesome. You look good. I think you should clap for yourselves. <clears throat> if you have a Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and an usher will bring one to you. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Let me be repetitive on purpose. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says we overcome evil with good. The rest of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 20, tell us how. How do we overcome evil with good? Everything that you read in the rest of Romans chapter 12, including verses 6 to 8, where we see these apps that I'm talking about. Verse 6, here we go. We have different gifts, apps, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. I love this word. And if it is mercy, do it cheerfully, which God must have had to say, because sometimes we can give mercy begrudgingly. But he says, do it cheerfully. Here in Romans chapter 12, God says, overcome evil with good when we apply these apps, these tools, these gifts that he has given us. This is the good. These are the things that are opposing evil. And today what we're going to do is go through this list. And as we go through it, what I'd love for you to do is to expand your toolbox. Listening to the Lord and, and say, this is a question I hope you ask as I'm up here teaching these things. Heavenly Father, is there anything that you want to download to me? Of these seven things, are there any gifts or a gift that you want to download to me? Or, Heavenly Father, is there a gift I've already been downloaded on and you're affirming it today? You're calling it out of me. I've already given you this gift to oppose evil, so go and do it. Use it. My hope for you and for me is that you would embrace the good that's in you. Because here's the truth. The world needs your goodness. I need your goodness. And you need my goodness. I had a problem with this message, though. As I began to read these seven gifts, I realized that I'm going to have to skim through some things that we could literally spend weeks teaching and learning together. People have devoted their lives to each of these seven gifts to teach and lead and written books and a massive library of books and all these things. So I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. I don't want you to feel ignorant, which doesn't mean stupid or dumb. It just means I don't know. But what I do want you to do today, please, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, is pay attention to promptings. Pay attention to promptings. That means if the Lord quickens your heart, you're like, ooh, when you hear one of these gifts, pay attention to it. Write it down. Make note of it. At the end of today's message, I'm going to have you raise your hand, again, on the gift you feel like God is prompting you to the most. So you can begin to identify, this is what God's calling me to right now, today, and I'm going to go start doing it. So you got to pay attention to the promptings. Just, oh, ooh. Maybe. And sometimes the promptings, you're like, oh no, I have to be a servant? Like, you're, you, you know that you know that's what you want to do, but your flesh is like, ah, 
not sure what to do, but still pay attention. So here, here's, here we go. There's seven situations. We're going to run through these, and uh, just, you just pay attention to the promptings. When people won't listen to God anymore, there's the problem. The Lord says the gift to counter that is prophecy, to prophesy. Everyone say prophesy. In the New Testament, which is the era of the church that we are living in, Jesus has left and gone to heaven. The Holy Spirit has been given to the church. The gift of prophecy is not so much the ability to predict the future like it was in the Old Testament, called foretelling. I'm telling the future. Hey, if we don't obey God, we're going to be kicked out of our nation. We're all going to go into captivity into Babylon, and our town and the temple is going to be destroyed. They foretold it. It happened. They foretold about Jesus coming. It happened. They've already foretold about the end of times. So you can be guaranteed it's going to happen, right? But they did a lot of foretelling in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's more about speaking what the Lord God has put into your mouth to say. It's called forthtelling. So you have foretelling, that's the future, and forthtelling, speaking forth what God has put into your mouth for the church, for somebody in the church, okay? Now listen, the gift of prophecy has both been underutilized and overutilized in the church. It's been underutilized mostly by fear and ignorance. And again, ignorance doesn't mean stupid, so don't take it personally. Don't get mad at me, right? We're afraid of looking like a fool. We're afraid what others will think. We're afraid of Holy Spirit, and so we don't prophesy at all. Or we're ignorant, which just means I didn't know that God could use my mouth to say something to somebody else. You're no longer ignorant. Now you know it's in the Bible. The Word of God says so. This is a gift that some people have, the gift of prophecy. It's been overutilized, on the other hand, where in certain sections of the church, everybody's got a word at all times and in all places, and everyone's got a word, and I got a word, and you got a word, and you got a word. And, and so there's so it's like if you highlight everything, you've highlighted nothing. And really, people have words from themselves that they credit God for, but really, did God say for you to say that? So here's what I want to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, this says that God is a God of order, not of disorder. He's not a God of confusion. So would God make prophecy confusing? Say it louder. No. No. So let's make it super clear. I believe it can be super easy. This is all you need to do in regards to the gift of prophecy. Holy Spirit, is there something you want me to say? And listen. And if it's not resounding, and if it's not in line with this word of God, then don't say it. And if he says nothing, don't say it. In other words, don't perform prophecy. Because prophecy in the church is exalted. Ooh, he speaks the word. Ooh. And so everyone's like, ooh, I want to have the ooh. So I'm just going to say something like, the Lord said, eat spaghetti. That's what the Lord said. Ooh, right? If God says don't say something, don't say anything. However, if you say, Holy Spirit, there's something you want me to say, and you have a word of knowledge drop into your spirit, doesn't sound like your words, and you bring it to a person, you've obeyed the gift. My microphone doesn't like the gift, but you use the gift, right? I want to remind you of what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, 
about prophecy. He says the one who prophesies does it to edify, exhort, your Bible may say encourage, and to comfort. And so if the word God gives you is not one of those three things, it's not a word from God. To edify means to build them up in the faith, in the practices of the faith. To exhort really means to encourage. We just don't like the word exhort. I feel very exhorted. Thank you for exhorting me. That was so exhorting. Like, it was just weird, right? We say encourage. But to exhort means I'm urging you to act based on who God is. I'm not just flowering you up to make you feel nice. Oh, I feel so encouraged. Does it cause you to act in the way that God is moving you? That's exhortation. And then finally, there's comfort, which is the word solace. Such a good word. It's like visine in irritated eyes. It's like lotion on dry, cracked hands. It's WD-40 on the old, rusty bike chain. Can you... Essentially, to solace somebody... Shh, 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 shh. Come here. And as you're giving them a word from God, the waters of their heart are soothed. The ocean is... I feel like we're all about to take a nap right now. It's getting peaceful. If it's not one of those three things, don't say it. I was right about where you are, Jose. Jose, raise your hand. I was standing there one day after service, and this couple comes up to me, and it said, the Lord gave us a word for you. I'm like, okay. said, this person you know and this person you know are having an affair. I said, that is not edifying, exhorting, or comforting. And I don't believe the Lord prophesies an accusation. So I reject the word. Another man came to me and said, I have a word for you. It's not exactly what he said, but he spoke a word over us. And he said, you have the smell of sheep all over you. Now this man came, never met me. I've never met him. Never even seen him before in my life. He did not know that two, three months later, we'd be planting a church here in Celebration, Florida. This man had no idea about anything, yet he came and spoke this word over us, and to this day it still exhorts me. I feel very exhorted by what this man spoke nearly 12, uh, 11 years ago now. It was a prophetic word. He used the gift of prophecy. He brought goodness into the world. Here's what I'm saying to you. If you have the gift, let it out. If you don't have the gift, right? But don't be afraid. Test the waters. Ask the Lord. Speak Holy Spirit. Do you have something you want me to say? Or I heard something. Holy Spirit, was that you? And a word from God will never refute the word of God. All right? Okay, okay, okay. That's prophecy. Number two. And I I go quicker through these. The first one's long because it's prophecy. And we could spend years on prophecy. Number two. When you're unsure of purpose, here's what you do. You serve. You serve. You get in. And start using what God has put in. And what God has put in, you let out. You have been uniquely, wonderfully designed, each and every one of you specifically, not just your physical bodies, but the DNA, the wiring of you is necessary on the earth. That's why God gave the earth you, right? And if you're unsure what to do, just start using what's in you and let it out. And together, when you fulfill the purpose of you and I fulfill the purpose of me, we fulfill the purpose of the church. But we can't fulfill the purpose of the church 
if you don't feel fulfill the purpose of you. Serve with what you have. The gifts, the talents, the experiences, the wisdom. Get out there and do it. It's interesting to note that in churches, oftentimes, somebody who has a certain passion will demand that the rest of the church have the same passion. Thinking that this is the singular purpose of the church. Why doesn't everybody care about this? Come on! Slackers, losers, whatever. And and schisms happen in the church. Because somebody says, the way that I serve is the way that everyone needs to serve. And the Lord's like, wait a second, this is what he said. Listen, listen to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them. I can see God going, whoop, yep, I wanted that there. Boop, this person there. If the eye says to the knee, you got to become an eye and see what I see, the knee would say to the eye, well, if I didn't move you to the place where you're seeing what you're seeing, we wouldn't be seeing anything. So let me do my job, you do your job, and together we do the job of the body. Amen? So our purpose is fulfilled when you fulfill, when you bring you to the table and I bring me to the table, then the purpose is fulfilled. Just start serving, doing your part. Your part, there's nothing worse than finishing the puzzle and having that one piece missing, right? You may be the missing piece. We need you. This puzzle needs you. This may be your gift to serve. Number three, when truth is lost, teach. Teach. Did you know that the USA is a world leader in fatherlessness? Woo! We're number one. No one is better at us than fatherlessness. Nobody's clapping. (laughs) 18.5 million homes, children, excuse me, have no father. Now, let me make a distinction here. When I say no father, I'm not talking about if you're divorced or separated. I'm talking about dad is gone, gone, gone for a variety of reasons. There's no dad in your life whatsoever or no dad in the child's life. And the results of this are both staggering and what you would know to be just somewhat obvious. For example, 85% of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from being fatherless. 70% of all adolescent patients in drug and alcohol treatment centers originate because of fatherlessness. Research also tells us that children without fathers are nine times more likely to drop out of high out of school, and they represent 90% of all homeless and runaway children when there's no father. On the flip side, when you have an active present father, economic prosperity, increased academic performance, improved social mobility, active fathers continue to be a key indicator of success for all children across racial ethnic and socioeconomic classes. It doesn't matter. If dad is present, it changes things. And if dad is not present, it also changes things. I want to say two things. Number one, if you are currently being raised and you have no father, or you were raised without a father, what I've just read, I want to say, is not a word of God spoken over you. These are statistics, not a destined sentence. And I believe 
that because you're here, you've made it clear that you're not going to become a statistic. Because you've recognized by the grace of God that you do have a father. His name is Heavenly Father, Jehovah, right? And this is a huge thing. Because it redeems everything that's happening in the world. All these statistics don't have to be you. And I declare it won't be you. Because you know your Heavenly Father. Amen? That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is that what's lost from a child when a father is not present is one of the two teachers that God has designed every child to have. Every child when born, it's designed by God to have a male teacher, father, and a female teacher, a mother. I know these terms are uh, heightened right now, right? I mean male, female for each child. And they're both distinctly wonderful teachers, have things that only a dad can teach and things that only a mom can teach. And so when dad is out of the picture, the child loses 50% of their education. Think about that. Think about if you went to school and halfway through class, the teacher's like, we're done. Just sit here. I don't know what's going on with the mics. We're just going to persevere. In Jesus' name. We're just, we're just done, so that's all I'm teaching today. Or like, and maybe some of you are like, that sounds awesome. Let's do that every time, right? Woo-hoo. Or maybe like you go through fifth grade and you have teachers, 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 and you get to sixth grade and there's no more teachers, just kids in his classrooms, right? Which may sound exciting, like, this is awesome. I've been praying for this. Until you recognize that even if teaching stops, testing doesn't. So if you have all the teaching, you might be prepared for the test. But if you only have 50% of the teaching, that test is still coming. And the kids come home like, she didn't teach us that. He didn't teach us that. You got kids growing up saying, my dad never taught me that. No one taught me that. And so I'm just using the idea of fatherlessness, that's a hard word to say, to speak to a more general malaise we see in our world that there are a lot of uneducated people on the planet in terms of what the truth is, in terms of how the truth can set people free, in terms of how truth, when lived by it, produces abundant life. And the world needs teachers. The world needs people to stand up for truth and to express truth in a way that's edible. We don't want to beat truth to people over the head with truth. It's not doing anything. It's causing enemies. People who explain how the kingdom of God works on the earth. People who pattern their lives towards godliness. That's, that's what we need. We need teachers. Is that hitting you? Is that the one that's hmm, maybe? Number, number whatever we're on. When doom and gloom are encamped, the Lord says encourage. Encourage one another. This is a very similar to the first part because it's the same exact word. Encourage in the prophetic and encourage. The difference is one comes from the heart of God and one comes from the heart of you. And that's not a bad thing because this is a spiritual gift. So the Holy Spirit gives you a gift to encourage, which is really the word exhort. I'm going to compel you to act based on who God is. I'm, I'm going to help you to overcome this thing by reminding you of who God is, constantly pointing to God, putting courage in you because of who he is. But it's not necessarily that it's coming from the Lord. 
could just come from your heart. And it's a beautiful thing. I have a friend who's going through something this week, and just out of my heart I wrote, his eye is still on the sparrow. You remember this phrase, or this song, his eyes on a sparrow, the scripture, he sees a bird. Uh, all, and it just, it helped this person a lot, but it wasn't a prophetic word, but it was still valuable in the kingdom, and it just kind of comes out of you as an encourager, an exhorter. Hmm, I'm an exhorter. Sounds great. Maybe that's you. If it is you, let it out. Unleash good. Encourage somebody. Here's the next one. When some are under-resourced, give. John 3.16. God so loved the world, he... What? What would you say, Bob? Gave. I love this verse because it is Jesus overcoming evil with good. The Lord God looked down from heaven, saw people bound to sin and death, destined to destruction. He saw the need, and so he gave. His gift was a sacrifice. His gift was generous, and his gift was based in love. You may have that gift inside of you that when you see a need, you want to respond generously. You want to respond even if it's a sacrifice. And you do it because you love. 1 John 4.11 says, in the same way that we've been loved by God, love one another. I'm compelled to love the same way that God loved. And how did God love? He gave. He was generous. He sacrificed. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life, give his life for another. There's a spirit of generosity rising in our church and around our church. We went through this whole deal with COVID and uh, skyrocketed our building prices by $4 million. Anyone here have $4 million? Just asking. Remember, we're raising our hands. Anyone here have four? (laughs) Okie dokie. And out of the blue, it's not really out of the blue, out of heaven, we've been praying, Lord, we've asked everyone we know, send people we don't know. And out of the blue, two people that we, out of the blue, I keep saying that, from heaven, Two people, two different couples, they don't know each other, have come forward and said stuff like this. If money were no object, what would you do? These are people that have, it's been said to me that their tax people have told them, stop making so much money. Like, don't you want to hear those words? (laughs) There's a hand. I I see a hand. And already they've committed hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we're just getting started communicating to these people. What's happening? These people are operating in the gift of giving. Now listen to me. You may say, oh, I only got 40 bucks. I don't have 400,000 bucks. It's never about the amount. We talked from the beginning. It's not about equal amounts. It's about equal sacrifice. Jesus gave it all. The widow with her two pennies, she gave it all. These people who are supporting the church, they're giving, they're giving, and you have given. If you got this gift, let it out. Unleash good. Two more. When people are lost and wandering, lead. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus sees a large crowd. He's up on a hill. He's looking down at this crowd, and he gives them some adjectives. He says they are harassed and they are helpless. These are powerful words. If you look out across the landscape of America at our students, not these students, out into the world, 
Jesus, I believe, would say the same thing. These people are harassed by the tormentor, the demon, the devil, and they appear helpless. And then he says, right next thing, he says, they're, they're harassed and helpless for lack of a shepherd. Then he tells the disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into my field. Pray for leaders to go out into the world and to help those who are harassed and helpless. I'm sitting here watching the news and they're chanting, we're queer, we're here, and we're coming for your children. Did you hear that this, this, this week? And I'm thinking, I'm not mad at them. I'm wondering where the church is, where the leaders are, where the people who will bring truth and say, this is the way, walk in it. Where the people will say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Where the people will come and love them and lead them to the foot of Jesus. They're helpless. They're harassed. And this is what's coming out of them. This is what comes out of me, right? We all have sins. Or am I the only one? There's the hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Here's the last one. When revenge is afoot, give mercy. Sweet mercy. I used to say that a middle school lunchroom was the meanest place in America. Can I get an amen? I mean, there's so much bullying, so much jokes when you're a kind, timid little dude in middle school. Just like, it just was so uncomfortable. Lunchtime, I hated going to it. I may have friends we sat with, but there's always something flying, people fighting, people making jokes, and you're always just like on edge. Or in the, the, the even worse was the dude's locker room. Let's not even talk about that, right? But I think it's been replaced. The meanest place in America is Facebook, Twitter. Insta, TikTok, whatever. <laughs> it used to be that a rant happened very occasionally. It used to be we ranted after a long period of suffering and it's building up and finally like, I just can't take it anymore. I got to tell you. And you're like, blah, blah, blah. Well, ranting has become as common as breathing. I'm ranting daily. I got to rant about this and rant about that. And the Lord says, when you see hostility... He doesn't say, be hostile. When you see negativity, be negative. When you see fighting and warring and bullying, fight fire with fire, he says, be merciful. Darn it. <laughs> I'd rather him say, fight fire with fire. He says, be merciful. To be merciful means to not punish someone even when they deserve it. When Jesus went to the cross, he took our my punishment upon his shoulders. That's mercy. The punishment was due me, and he took it. So when you're merciful to someone, you remove from them the punishment. You're like, I'm not going to hold this against you. And you don't passive-aggressively say to them, I'm not going to hold this against you because I'm a better person and Clearly, I'm obviously awesome and you're terrible. We all know that. You simply forgive and then work on healing whatever it is that caused the need for there to be forgiveness. You don't walk away. You don't storm off. You don't give silent treatment. That's third grade stuff. We're adults now and growing into adults. We give mercy. We don't punish. And instead, we flip it for the glory of God.
we were uh, inside, and Christine comes into the room, and she says, hey, uh, Eli and one of his friends were shooting hoops out back, and the ball bounced off the basketball hoop and hit the van and cracked, shattered the windshield. <laughs> so I put the van in a bad spot. It wasn't the kid's fault. That was easy. It wasn't like, oh, I got to forgive them and I, they, they deserve, I'm going to go take my belt and whip them. No, 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 no. However, the people who were supposed to repair the windshield, that's another story. Do you ever have one of these, hey, we'll be there between 12 and 5s, and then it's 5, and you pick up the phone call, and you're like, hey, so uh, I've just skipped work where I all this productivity I could have been doing. I've been sitting here looking at my cracked windshield, and where's, where's the tech? Well, he went home early. That's what they told me. He went home early. I'm like, hmm. <sighs> I know I'm the only one. I was getting a little like, are you kidding me? Five hours. You could have called. Why did anybody call? I go, oh, I'm sorry. I heard sorry like 40 times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, well, um, what, what happens now? Like, well, we'll come tomorrow between 8 and 10. I was like, how do I know that they're going to show up at 8? And she said, well, they won't show up at 8. Because they usually get to the shop at 8, and then they'll be to your house probably more like by 10. I'm like, I have no faith. And I'm angry. And I want to tell somebody in your, get me a supervisor so I can blast them, right? Good, I need some music here. This is. So at like 9.40, I call. I'm like, hey, I'm just checking. They're like, oh, sorry. Well, here's what's happening. Sorry. The person who was supposed to come yesterday took your windshield with them, and it's in their van down in Poinciana. I was like, what are you saying? Like, well, the person who is coming to you doesn't have your windshield. So they're going to have to go to Orlando, downtown, and get your windshield. And they're going to come to you, and they're going to be to you around. I was like, I really want to hurt somebody. Can you put somebody on the line that I can hurt, please? Then the tech calls me, the actual guy coming to my house. And he says, I am so sorry. Uh, they didn't even tell me till I was already at my first job that I was supposed to be coming to you first. I'm like, wait a second. She told me she was putting me on the list last night. He's like, oh, no, they didn't put you on the list till this morning when I was already out. And now I'm, like, ready to rant everywhere, right? Like, wait, 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 wait. I'm supposed to be customer number one because I wasted all this time yesterday, and now I'm not even customer number one. I'm customer, like, number seven, and you're going to get to me eventually. He's like, I don't think I can be there till like, 1130 tomorrow. <laughs> I was so angry, and I really did want to do that thing where, like, I need to talk to a supervisor. I need to. I just need to tell somebody they're terrible. I, am I? Okay, thank you for your honesty. Well, the tech shows up to the house. I'm at work. Christine's at home, and he does an amazing job. 
he just like crushes it. And the whole time I want to crush these people, my wife operates in mercy. She, when I say loves on the guides, she was just serving him, kind to him. Even wrote him a letter and gave it to him as he was leaving to say, I don't know if you know Jesus, but if you don't, this is our church. I'm operating in rage, which helps nobody. She's operating in mercy, which gives a chance for the gospel. Duh. Do you have that gift? Is it in you? Lord, I need this gift in Jesus' name, right? To be merciful as Christ was merciful to us. I wonder if Jesus ever rants about me. (laughs) He doesn't. I deserve it, but he gives me mercy. He gives you mercy. So, just going to take a second. I want you to process. Was there one of them that pinged you? One of them that quickened your heart. Now, you may have multiple, like a little bit, but was there one that kind of stood out amongst the others? I'm going to go through the list again. I'm going to say them each one by one. And when we get to the one that's you, I don't want you to be comfortable and do the churchy thing and we go out. I want you to be a little uncomfortable and raise your hand. And your friends are going to see it. Your family's going to see it. And they're going to be excited for you. They're not going to question it. Uh, what? No, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but this is a declaration. There is good in me. This is the good that's in me. And I am going to go unleash that good on the world. Here we go. Prophecy. Is anyone who feels a prophetic operating in their life? Go ahead. Not, when you put your hand up, you got to like see how my arm's all the way up. There you go, Gabe. Good. Casey, good. Good, good, good. Raymond, good, good. Excellent. Serving. Love it. Take note. Teaching. We're the teachers. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Some of you are actual teachers. That's fitting. Encouragement. Yeah. Own it. Yes, you are, Bob. Uh Uh-huh. Come on. Givers, $4 million givers. Your hands were up. I saw they were up. Come on. It's good. Good. It's good. Leaders. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Come on. And finally, where are the merciful? Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy. That's a great kid's name, too. Just saying. Anybody pregnant want to name their kid? All right. Here's how we'll end today. Whatever you raise your hand for, be assured the world needs the good in you. And they don't need it tomorrow. They need it now, now, now. Now. Today. Start flexing that gift. Just fumble around a little bit in it. Start working it out. If you're not sure what to do with your gift, in just a minute, our prayer ministers will be up here. 
You can get into one of our discipleship groups called the D group and process it with those people. You can talk around the table. Don't be afraid to have discussions. Go research it. What does it mean, God, that you've called me to prophecy, to leading? Dig in a little bit. Do some work. Start using the gift. And evil will run from the goodness of God in you and you and you and you and you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. They follow us all the days of our lives. And we say thank you for the way that you've loved us. Thank you that you've overcome evil and you, you just demolished darkness. We're believing today that you have put a deposit in us that is good. And you're calling it forward so that people on this earth can turn from their wicked ways and find hope and salvation in Jesus alone. Blessed be the name of our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that whatever hand went up for whatever gift, that you would seal it now in your spirit. The devil would not be able to take it from them. And that you would build up, you would edify your children, your sons and daughters in these gifts here in the house and there online. It's a blessing. It's a blessing that you've given us these gifts. Send your children forth now in rejoicing in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Love you.